Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the great state of Texas. A lot of Texas talk this week, that's for sure. With March 6th, the the annual date where we're reminded of the end, if you will, of the Battle of Alamo. There were th- several things leading up to March 6th going on around Alamo, but that was certainly the main battle and when the Alamo fell. But March 2nd was Texas Independence Day when Texas declared independence from Mexico and became a republic. I was out at the historical site close to Brenham in Washington County over the Christmas break. As a matter of fact, I hadn't been out there in quite a while. A lot of interesting things to read about and see and learn in that area. With your spring break coming up, that could be a great trip. But this show, well, while it focuses on Texas, is about the issues of faith, family, and freedom. So we're going to talk all about that. We're right in the middle of the Texas legislative session. I don't know what the day count is, if we're quite halfway, but probably close. We're probably about 50 to 60 days in. There are 140 days in the Texas legislature, so not a whole lot of time to get work done in a two-year cycle. The Texas legislature only meets every two years, but trust me, when they're ready to get stuff done, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. I've seen things happen very quickly and sometimes quicker than people want them to, but that is a big focus of the work that we do at Texas Values with our office being just two blocks from the state capitol. And one of the things we're going to talk about today that I'm very excited about is our Faith and Family Day that's coming up next week. You know, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom. That includes religious liberty. That includes pro-life. That includes parental rights. A lot of things under those three pillars in detail. And that's going to be discussed about quite a bit at the Texas Faith and Family Day next week. That's on Wednesday. You can still get tickets at texasfaithandfamily.com. It's free to attend, but it's $5 for the Chick-fil-A lunch. And I'll talk a little bit more detail about that later because I want to jump right into our special guest who's going to be a part and be one of our keynote speakers at the Texas Faith and Family Day. David B. Wright is our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Before I bring him on, let me just tell you a little bit about David. I'm sure many of y'all are aware of him and have heard him speak or are familiar with his work. He is one of the founders of the 40 Days for Life movement, which we're in the middle of right now, kicked off last week. And um, look, just a tremendous legacy uh, when it it relates to the 40 Days for Life movement. He's been a keynote speaker as well in numerous events, helping raise millions of dollars for the pro-life movement and others, and has audiences that go into the six figures. When you look at all the work he's done over numerous years, going back two decades, he's a, a frequent commentator on CNN, ABC, Fox News, many, and, and he's uh, often quoted in print media as well, all throughout the internet. David, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Jonathan, it is great to be back with you by radio, and then I'm even more excited to be able to come back to the promised land of the Lone Star State this coming Wednesday for the Texas Faith and Family Day. I'm so excited to be a part of this. Amen. Well, we couldn't be more excited as well. You know, we had you speak at our policy conference last year in September in Austin, and people that hadn't heard you speak before were just like, who is that guy? You guys need to bring him back again. And we are well aware of that, too. We're like, when can we get David to speak at one of our events again? So we're very excited about it. And the event coming up, just to remind our folks, texasfaithandfamily.com is the website. Go to TXValues.org. It's the Faith and Family Day at the Texas Capitol. 
and that is March 13th, next Wednesday, starting from 9 through 3 o'clock. But David's going to be speaking during our rally on the south steps of the Capitol from 12 to 1. David, you really have been one of the key figures in the pro-life movement for uh, over two decades now, if you will. It started at Texas A&M University, where you have your undergraduate degree. And we were talking a little off radio about some of that background. And a lot of times people think about, especially uh, someone like yourself, who's got a tremendous background in the pro-life movement, well-known, but you had an existence, if you will, before then. So at at one point, you were a student, you graduated from Texas A&M University, and you were out in the business field. And you saw some things happening there that inspired you to get involved in the pro-life movement. That's right. Well, you know, I, in my time in the business world, I mostly worked within the pharmaceutical industry, and I was always interested in health and science and the well-being of people. But what really changed my trajectory of my life and career was when I had moved back from Dallas to College Station, I was working as a pharmaceutical sales rep, and the news broke in College Station that Planned Parenthood was opening its first-ever abortion center in Aggieland. And for whatever reason, that broke my heart. It broke my wife's heart. We went to the organizing meeting that a young church secretary named Warren Gouldy put together that formed a group called the Coalition for Life. And we started to volunteer just saying, not on our watch. This can't happen here. And regrettably, the community was unsuccessful at trying to block that facility from opening. And so once it opened and began to spill the blood of innocent children, we started to shift our efforts and say, how do we work to end this reign of terror and close down this facility, but also in the midst of it, awaken the church to the reality of what's happening in the abortion industry. And so uh, I kept getting more and more involved until one day I was actually driving in Hearn, Texas, still a pharmaceutical rep calling on doctors, and my phone rang, and Lauren, that young church secretary who had started to group the Coalition for Life, said, David, 10 more children died at Planned Parenthood today. And that day, I just had this just mental break where I realized, I'm not doing everything I can to stop this. This has to end. And I said to Lauren, maybe I'm supposed to just quit my job and do everything I can to, to try to stop this. And I was just talking out loud. And she said, well, why don't you do that? And it was a ton of bricks just hit me like that's what I'm supposed to do. So I went home and I told my wife, thinking she would talk me out of it. And she said, you know, David, to whom much is given, much is required. And so we took a leap of faith. I left the pharmaceutical industry and took the helm of that little pro-life group. And ultimately, that was the group where 40 Days for Life began. And then to watch that grow into a, a movement that is now spread to 56 nations all around the world and hundreds of cities and three quarters of a million volunteers. It's just astonishing. But I, I really think, Jonathan, the lesson that I would take away from that for every person listening to the sound of our voices right now is to realize that these challenges in our culture, the breakdown of family, the, the devaluing of faith and religion, the increase in immorality, the, the attacks against human life, these are real crises that if we don't fix them, it's going to lead to the demise of our culture and handing on a worse America to our children. But we have not only an opportunity, I feel we have an obligation to engage these issues, and each and every person can and will make a profound difference if they trust God, ask Him to guide their steps, and then get active in the fight for our culture right now. And that's why I'm so excited about Faith and Family Day this coming Wednesday, the 13th, is because we're going to really help to light a fire for everyone to realize you can make a difference, and the place where you can make the greatest difference right now is in 
the state and in the state legislature and particularly in a state that has such profound influence like Texas. So oh, there's oh, the there's no question. Enormous. There's no question. And, you know, look, you speak around the, the country, if not the world, and you threw out some numbers, you know, 750,000 volunteers that have been a part of some of your work hundreds of cities. There's no question the work that you've done has impacted other people. But a lot of times people think that, you know, you've got to start off as some pro-life professional and have all this background. So I appreciate you sharing with where you were at the time and then where you made a transition, because I think people need to be reminded that we all have an important role that we can play. And you're absolutely right. The state legislatures is where a lot of the activity is happening right now. There's a little bit of you know, whether you want to call it gridlock or, you know, uh, not a whole lot of things moving forward at the congressional level with, you know, our most recent elections, some of that stuff trying to get people trying to figure out who's going to be in leadership, what's going to move. But state legislatures, a lot of activity going on. And a lot of what's happening, too, in states like Texas and others are a response on these life issues because of the extreme things that we've seen happen in positions that we've seen happen in some of the other states, in, um, including New York. And others. And there's no question that Texas doesn't have a problem distinguishing itself from New York. And if it has to be on the pro-life issue, we're happy to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, just to build on that, I live in the state of Virginia. And my unfortunately, my governor, Northam, was one of the ones who was justifying legislation that would have allowed for infanticide, not only abortion up to the very moment of birth, but then botched abortions, the children being left to die. And he described this on the radio and then, you know, really hunkered down and stood by his position. And Delegate Tran in our state was proposing this legislation that would have allowed for this. It was defeated. But in our state legislature in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we are one vote in the House and one vote in the Senate away from a majority that would actually enact that kind of legislation. But Texas, you're in a position where you've got a very strong legislature but also a state that influences the pro-life movement for the entire nation. And, and just from my perspective, I've traveled to all 50 states, and I'm in Indiana today as we're talking. I mean, as I go around and see the breadth and the depth of the pro-life movement, the pro-family movement, I will tell you that the most important strategic place that is not being addressed as effectively in most places is at the state level. You've got a lot of good local things like 40 Days for Life and other efforts like that. You've got some good groups inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C. But really, when you think about the environment, Roe versus Wade, when it is overturned, which is now actually a possibility because it changes in the U.S. Supreme Court, when it is overturned, abortion decisions go back to the states. And so it's more important than ever that we are organizing at the state level and that we're coming out to be publicly heard and seen so that we can save as many lives as possible before Roe versus Wade is overturned. We can impact as many marriages and families, and we can protect religious freedom and do all these things that Texas values leads the way on for not only Texas, but an inspiration for the rest of the nation. But also we need those cases that will challenge Roe versus Wade. A state is a place that gives us a clearer path to victory. And even when Roe is overturned, I just want to reiterate that point, we have to already be prepared. The abortion industry is shifting in this direction. Texas Values is on the front lines of understanding the importance of this. And to bring all of these groups together next week at the Faith and Family Day, to help rally all of us to know we have to make a greater impact, as strong as the pro-life movement, the pro-family movement is in Texas, there's even opportunities to do better, to get more legislation passed so that we're 
sending the cases up that will overturn Roe and that when Roe is overturned, we're protecting life, we're protecting family and we're protecting freedom. So absolutely. We're talking. No, you're absolutely right. We're talking with David B. Wright. He is a pro-life leader and he's an experienced leader on a number of issues. He's an inspiring communicator and a strategic advisor for other pro-life leaders and other organizations, not only in Texas and in, around the country, but around the world. When he shows up and talk, people listen. And if they're not listening, it only takes a few seconds for them to go, whoa, wait, what did he just say? That was amazing because <laughs> I've seen it happen at one of our events last year. So we're, we're excited to have you. You're absolutely right. Okay, so earlier this week, at our state legislature, I mean, there are a number of pro-life bills that have already been filed, bills that relate to uh, protecting children from discrimination when it comes to abortions, Se- sex selection abortions, where people say, oh, I wanted a girl. It's a boy. We're going to have an abortion. Or we think, oh, it may or may not. You know, this child may have some disability. We're going to have an abortion. In-, in addition to efforts to not allow Entities like Planned Parenthood to get state funds, excuse me, to get tax dollars or to be in contract with the local government like they're doing in the city of Austin, where they're allowing Planned Parenthood to rent a building for $1 a year for 20 years. It's a government building. They're getting a sweetheart deal. And then just a couple of days ago, um, on Thursday, actually, the there was a new bill that was filed in the state of Texas, a state uh, legislation, proposed legislation, House Bill 23 and Senate Bill, excuse me, House Bill 16 and Senate Bill 23. This is the Born Alive Infant Protection Act to make it clear in the state of Texas and for the rest of the country to see there are lines that we draw and there is a clear issue regarding humanity. There should be no question that if a child is born even if it's a result of a failed or botched, if you will, abortion, that child deserves the protection of life that all of us as human beings deserve. Mm -hmm. And so that issue, that bill was filed on Thursday, making it clear that in Texas, this is where we're going to stand on that issue. And so I'm excited to see our state legislature take up this issue. But you know, look, this is just the beginning. We know that there will be people that will seek to defeat it, but a key moment and a key opportunity for us to message on these issues. That's right. Well, and and by coming together at the Faith and Family Day this Wednesday, the 13th, go to TexasFaithAndFamily.com to sign up to be there. Uh, My mother-in-law is going to be there. I'm going to be there. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people there. It's going to be great. But you can get educated on these pieces of legislation that have been introduced, those things that are on the hopper that will be introduced, and also get a glimpse of where this movement, our movement, is headed and how we continue to advance. We are not at a moment where we need to defend our faith and values. We're at a moment where we need to proactively take it forward. We need to advance. We need to change the culture. And Texas Values and the other groups who will be assembling at the Faith and Family Day are going to show you exactly how you can be a part of doing that, giving you a lot of great hope for the future of Texas and for our nation and for the world. Well, and we know you got to run, David. I just want to ask one thing, too. Um, and I know it's probably hard to give a brief answer, but You know, it does appear that a lot of people, well, some people are surprised that states like New York and Virginia would have people in elective office that would support such extreme measures. I remember when issues, other related uh, legislation related to being, you know, born alive issues, partial birth abortion, things of that nature, a decade or so ago, we're at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, We worked on a a brief up there for a woman named Gianna Jessen, who survived a Mm late-term abortion. I was a lawyer for her, and, and there were just very few Democrats at that time, at least 
publicly that said they supported this. But now we're seeing this new group of Democrats and, and other elected officials that seem OK with it. I think a lot of people are, are shocked or at least are their eyes are are open. Wow. I didn't realize, you know, there were people that supported this. And so but I think it's a key opportunity for us to see why it's important for us to educate people, because apparently some people do think some of these things are OK. Jonathan, just one thought to add to that point. Um, the Knights of Columbus commissioned a Marist poll. It, was, came, it came out last week, and the poll was in this light after New York and, and Virginia and Rhode Island and other states that are trying to advance these crazy infanticide measures that demonstrate just how out of touch the abortion industry and major abortion proponents are. And what they found is that the American public is shifting faster towards the pro-life position than we've ever seen in history as the, 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 the cover, the, the facade is gone and people see the brutal reality of what these people are advocating. And even amongst self-identified Democrats, there was a 14-point shift towards the pro-life position because wow. they were saying, you know what, we are not going to support infanticide. We're not going to support late-term abortion. So we really have a rallying moment to change hearts and minds. It's not a partisan issue. It's an issue of helping people to see the humanity of the unborn, helping people to see the importance of protecting all that is good and virtuous and holy in the world. And this is our moment. Absolutely. Well, look, we, we don't want to have David say too much because we want you to come to the, the rally in the Texas Faith and Family Day next week so you can really get the full strength of, of his presence and his word. David B. Wright, who is a proud graduate of Texas A&M University and the one of the founders of the 40 Life Movement and just an inspirational speaker and Christian brother in Christ. David, thanks for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. I'll see you this coming few days. Yes, sir. Wow. David's at a meeting and he stepped out for a few minutes. So we just wanted to peel him off and also cut him loose so he could get back to the work he's doing and save a little bit of that umph for the Faith and Family Day next week. You know, David has seen his share of these issues, these battles. We've met several times, but when he spoke at our policy conference last year, just really lit up the room and people were encouraged and excited. And, you know, this is someone who's seen a lot. You you think sometimes, too, that over time, you know, you can kind of get worn down by some of these things. And you can't. I mean, I've had moments in, in, in my work on religious freedom, on life issues, where you can get discouraged. You know, you have some ups and downs. And when I see David speak, and obviously, you know, I'm not walking behind him every day, the the inspiration and the enthusiasm seems to grow every time I talk and hear from, and so I think there's a lot of his natural personality that's coming out as well, but it's very encouraging because there's a lot of important work to do, and a lot of it's happening right now in the state of, of Texas on religious freedom, on family issues, on pro-life issues, House Bill 1035 we put out an email earlier this week. This is the Free to Believe Act. You have heard us talk on this show and through our various media channels, if you will, about the sexual orientation and gender identity bills, the ban the Bible bills, as we've called them. Because when you put sexual orientation and gender identity into these areas of law that liberal LGBT progressives want to put them into, they're designed to or their effect is to come up against people's faith, people's beliefs on religious issues related to marriage and sexuality. And oftentimes they are specifically designed to override them, to punish you for your religious beliefs on marriage and sexuality because they know that people of faith disagree 
with them on these issues and they and, and people in the progressive liberal LGBT movements, they want their personal lifestyle and political views to get favor over yours in law. And they want the government to punish people. Not only do they want to have superiority, they also want the, puni- the, the government to punish you if you disagree with them on these issues. If you don't live your life in accordance with the way they think you should when it comes to issues of sexuality, they will force you to bake that cake that says a message that supports same-sex marriage. If you don't, you could be put out of business. They will ban the Christian counselor from using the Bible or referencing the Bible specifically for biblical passages that talk about marriage between a man and a woman or that God made people male and female. If someone's coming to them and they want counsel to resist same-sex attraction or to resist any feelings that they're having as a man and thinking about maybe they should be a woman and they want to resist that if they want to have that type of counseling with their child, these sexual orientation gender identity bills would ban that. It would take the Bible out of the hands of a counselor if that's how they're using it. House Bill 1035 says enough of all that and really is a response to those bills. I mean, there's like in those efforts at the local out, there's like a dozen, if not more, of these sexual orientation, gender identity bills, these SOGI bills that have been filed. And so, um, you know, look, that folks should not be surprised that um, that a bill now has been filed, House Bill 1035, making it clear that you do have religious freedom protection from government punishment. I'm just going to say it again because I think a lot of people do not understand what's happening here. When you have a law that puts sexual orientation and gender identity into a protected classification for so-called non-discrimination protection, that is the government creating new policy, creating new power, so the government can now punish you. And in some of these bills, they would allow you to be put in jail on these issues. If they say that you're violating the law as it relates to how someone thinks or feels about themselves regarding sexual orientation, gender identity. And if they think that you're not, um, the, the message you have goes against their values or their beliefs or some type of action you're involved in goes against that. Even if it's on your private property, even if it's at a church-based ministry, you can be punished by the government. Okay, I want to make sure everyone understands what the progressive left LGBT activists are doing here. They want the government to be involved in this. They used to say for many years, right, we want the government out of our lives. Keep the government out of their out of out of our bedrooms. Well, now they want the government in your church, they want the government in your faith-based entity, they want the government in your private business. It's no exaggeration, folks. This is exactly what this legislation does, and that's what it's designed to do. Okay? House Bill 1035 is not growing government. It is not an expansion of government. It is a limitation on government. House Bill 1035 makes it clear that when these issues come up and there's a conflict about how people believe and think and live their lives— The government has to respect your religious freedom rights. That is the presumption going into it, that you have religious freedom protection. If the government wants to prove that there's more to it, then the burden is on them. Okay? House Bill 1035 by Bill Zedler is to make it clear in law there is a limitation uh, to what the government can do based on your religious liberty rights. And it also makes it clear in law that you do have First Amendment protections 
for religious liberty in these issues? Because there seems to be a question among some, or, or they want you to think there's a question, or they want to convince the courts. Religious liberty issues don't apply here. The First Amendment doesn't apply here, or the First Amendment doesn't work that way. So House Bill 1035 says, yes, it does, and it always has. But since some people have a question about it, we're going to make it very clear in our state law that this is what the First Amendment means in these settings. So a bill, so we sent that email out this week, and it's getting a lot of attention, a lot of interest, as you might imagine. But it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, the progressive left LGBT advocates have been pushing these issues for decades. They have been pushing on local governments and state governments and federal governments to adopt these new laws that are now being used to punish people like Christian cake baker Jack Phillips. This concept's being used to put pressure on a wedding venue up in North Texas who said that their religious beliefs don't allow them to be forced by, by anyone to be involved in a marriage ceremony on their private wedding facility uh, property when it goes against their conscience beliefs. So you're going to hear a lot about that at Texas Family, Texas Faith and Family Day. Share this post. We're about to end this Facebook Live. Share it before we end in the next two minutes or the next one minute and 36 seconds, okay? Share it right now. Go to texasfaithandfamily.com and register to get your ticket. If you've already registered, because the room's almost sold out. There, there is a meeting room, and then but the rally on the South Steps, there's no limit to that. Come one, come all, Okay. We're, we've got hundreds of people that have already registered. But if you've already registered, post the, the link on your website, on your social media channels. TexasFaithAndFamily.com is the website. March 13th, next Wednesday, we start at 9 in the morning from 9 to 11. We're going to teach you about how all these issues work, what's going on at the Capitol. There might be even a hearing we need you to go testify at. But we'll see how that goes. At noon, there's going to be a rally with David B. Wright and Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Boy, if you haven't heard him speak, he brings it as well. You're going to want to check that out. So I think it's right here on the back of my computer here, if I can get it closer. TexasFaithAndFamily.com, next Wednesday, March 13th, the Texas Faith and Family Day. We have tons of other partners that are going to be with with us as well, other organizations that are part of this event. We're excited and we're thankful for them. So TexasFaithAndFamily.com, sign up, March 13th, next Wednesday. The legislative session does not end next week, though, after our day. There's a whole lot going on. We need you to stay engaged. Sign up for our alerts. So to learn more, go to txvalues.org, where you'll hear more about faith, family, and freedom in Texas.